going to serve God or we're going to serve the world system. It's a choice that you and I have to make. Listen to me. Not when you get saved, but every single day you wake up. You've got to make a decision. What am I going to do with life today? That's why when you read the Bible, it talks about a daily commitment to Christ. It talks about a daily taking up your cross and my cross and following him. It talks about crucifying the flesh daily. Wouldn't it be nice if the minute you got saved, everything changed and all of a sudden you're good to go? How many think it'd be pretty cool? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Is our priority on earth or in heaven? Man is looking for security. Every man and woman in this room is looking for security. God is looking for priorities. Because God is the security. And he says, I'll bring that security if I'll be your priority. See, man tries to achieve security through financial or material gain. Two weeks ago, we talked about that on the spirit of mammon. But it's not just about money. It's about anything that takes its place before God. Anything that hinders us from making a declaration that we're a Christian. But God establishes security by trust. Man tries, and listen to this, man tries to find his place in the sun, and God made a place for man, Jesus, his son. Where will we put our priorities will be the determining factor of where we put our trust in life. The only sermon that Jesus ever preached, you find between, the, between Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We have a very famous part of it. It's called the Beatitudes. But if you go through it, it's the only sermon that Jesus ever preached. If you never read another word in this Bible and just spent your entire life reading Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you would never be the same. I figure if it's the only sermon that Jesus needed to preach, it's probably pretty good, don't you think? So let me take a segment out of it, starting with the 19th verse. It's on the screen. Or if you would open your Bible and follow along, this would be great. I'm reading out the New International Version. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust do destroy and thieves break in to steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in to steal. And then underline this in your notes, if you would. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me break down this next phrase. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let me put it into normal English. If the perspective of your life, if the way you live life on this world is full of the glory of God, the light of God, then you're going to have a wonderful perspective of life. But if it's caught up in the world system, how great is that darkness in your life and mine? And then it follows with that very famous phrase, no one can serve two masters. We're going to serve God or we're going to serve the world system. It's a choice that you and I have to make. Listen to me, not when you get saved, but every single day you wake up. You've got to make a decision. What am I going to do with life today? That's why when you read the Bible, it talks about a daily commitment to Christ. It talks about a daily taking up your cross and my cross and following him. It talks about crucifying the flesh daily. Wouldn't it be nice if the minute you got saved, everything changed and all of a sudden you're good to go? How many think it would be pretty cool? The problem is we still live in this flesh. And this flesh doesn't want to do what God wants. Let me continue on. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God or money. If you look into that word money, it's the word mammon. It's a Syrian word that literally breaks down, talks about the system of the world which includes money and finances and possessions and anything that presupposes itself more important than God. Therefore, I tell you, he goes on, because God knows this is a problem that we have. Look at somebody and say, man, God does know me, doesn't he? Listen to what he says. Don't worry about your life. You notice he comes out of this whole concept on trust and priority and devotion And he immediately deals with the big thing that sets us apart, and that is worry. I love the saying that I heard so many years ago, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, just doesn't get you anywhere. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to drink or eat, or your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food, and your body more important than your clothes? And then he goes on and gives a very simple analogy. He says, look at the birds. They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't store into barns. Yeah, they're always fed. They're always taken care of. How much more valuable are you than they? Now, isn't this the real issue? Value has to do with priorities. Has completely to do with priorities. And if we don't have a value in ourselves, then what's it matter what my life is? Does that make sense? Are you not worth much more than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See the lilies? They don't labor. They don't spin. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, 
was not as dressed as one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? Do you see where I'm going with this, folks? And I didn't write it. Your loving Heavenly Father wrote it to you and me. How much more important are you? Then he challenges the problem. O ye of little faith. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or drink? What shall we wear? This is what the world runs after. He says the pagans in this translation, they run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. And then he tells you how to obtain them. Trust me. That's what he's saying. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. He's saying, trust me. All the stuff the world's looking after, I'm going to take care of. Will you put me first? And then he adds this little clincher in there in the 34th verse. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, don't worry about it. I got that too. I got that too. He said today he's got enough problems. I got tomorrow. You see, I never worry about what tomorrow holds. Because I serve the one that holds tomorrow. Where are your priorities? Quickly in your notes. Where are your priorities? Are they on, he- on earth? Or are they in heaven? Jesus talks about priorities in this world. And he tells us there are two basic ways of setting priorities. Either you're going to trust in earthly treasures. See the 19th verse? You're going to store up treasures on the earth. And what's going to happen to them? Moth, vermin, rust, time, thieves will break in and steal. He talks about the frailty of earthly possessions and how easy it is to misplace our priorities by trusting in things that are so insecure and uncertain. Many, many years ago, during World War II, the German mark was a very big money system. Until the crash of Germany, we know the overturn of Hitler and the Nazis. And there was this man that God was dealing with him for months about giving a 10,000 Deutschmark note to his church. Month after month after month, all of a sudden he couldn't take it anymore. He said, okay, God, I'll do it. He went and gave it to the pastor. The pastor looked at it, rejoiced, and thanked him. But said, you know, if you would have just done it when God said, we could have done lots with it. But last night at midnight, the Deutschmark became worthless. So many times in our lives, God is moving on us to do things. And I don't know about you, but when God moves on me to do something, I shut up and put up. Why? Because I don't know if I'm going to have a tomorrow. Now, don't take that in a condemning fashion. Take that as a convicting word. 
Because there are times that I don't want to do what God is nudging me to do. And, and look at somebody and say, I don't either. It's okay to be honest in this church. Your preacher is as, dead, as real as the day is long, okay? You say, Pastor, you make mistakes? Well, not yet today. Of course, I've been in church since 8 o'clock this morning, so it's, you know, it's pretty good. But sometimes I'm like the old boy that woke up in the morning, and, and, or he was, he was uh, in the morning praying and saying, God, you know, I'm excited. I haven't sinned. Oh, man, this is glorious. And then he stopped and said, but God, I'm going to get out of bed here in a few minutes. <laughs> I need some help. See, that's what our normal days are, are they not? And that's why the Bible says daily take up your cross. Daily put me for Why? Because the world is insecure. The world is uncertain. Moths eat the clothing. Rust corrupts them. The mineral goods. Thieves break in and steal. He said this is the end result of all of those who trust temporal world and uncertain securities. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look what he talks about those that are pursuing riches. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth. A couple weeks ago, I talked about that scripture in Timothy where it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. The love of it is the root of all evil. And I've had people over the years tell me, well, preacher, you never got to worry about that with me. I just don't have any money. But you know what? Prisons are filled with people that didn't have money, but because they loved it, they went after it, and they're there. You don't have to have money to love money. You just got to make it a priority in your life. One of the things about this, this whole Ramsey program that we're doing and why we're opening it up to the entire city, folks, we want people to get saved. But ultimately, there's a God called mammon. There's a God called money. There's a God called the world system that too many people are bowing down to week in and week out. They need to get control over it by serving the Prince of Peace. They can obtain financial peace. Can you say amen? He's to command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to trust or put their hope in those uncertain riches. Okay, so we've got trusting earthly things or earthly treasures, or we can do what the Bible says, and that is trust and invest in heavenly treasures. The 20th verse tells us very plainly, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Nothing can get to it. You know what the Word of God is telling us, if I can put it in just plain, simple terms? Get your eyes off of men, material, monies, and methods. I, I don't know about you, but late night television, everybody's got a method on how to get you rich. Don't look at me like that. We've all watched it. Call this man. Get this material. Learn this method. And you can have my money. God said, get our eyes off of that. Let me continue there in 1 Timothy. He said, don't, don't trust in this world system, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything, and underline this, for our enjoyment. Yeah, money is a good thing. I tell people I've been rich, I've been poor, I like rich better. I can do stuff when I have money. And I can't do all the stuff that I want to do sometimes when I don't have money. But I can still be rich. 
command them to do good. Who? Those that are children of God that are receiving the blessing. God says, I bless you to be a blessing. He said to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You see, we're talking about trusting God. Periodically in my life, I go on fasts. And I'll fast here and there as God would lead me and the purpose for a fast is to draw me closer to God. Let me give you the simple definition. Fasting is for denial of the flesh and exalting of the spirit. It's for your flesh to die and your spirit to live. Enabling us to get closer to God. It's interesting in this passage, he starts in the 17th and the 18th verse. And he tells us that when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites do who do it trying to get shown from men. He said, do good. Continue to do the things that you're supposed to do. Let God richly provide. Let God help. Let God encourage. And willingly, generously, purposefully do all that God has set before us. Fasting is all about trusting God. Giving is all about trusting God. Denying the flesh is all about trusting God. What the Bible is telling us in this entire passage is we need to spend more time with God and less time with the world because the world is setting us up for a failure. Can you say amen? amen. Let me share a story about, from Sigmund Freud, one of his favorite old-time stories. A, a, a sailor was shipwrecked and came into a, 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 an island and the customary custom of that island, the, the people of that island, is they would make a person a king for a year. They hoisted the man on his shoulders, carried him to the village, set him on a crude throne, and little by little, he learned that their custom was that every year they would make a person king. King for a year. He liked it. But as time went on, he started wondering, what happened to all the former kings? And very soon, he discovered that after their kingship ended, they were sent to an island with nothing, where they usually starved to death. They were banished. The sailor did not like this idea, but he was smart. And he was king, at least for a year. So he put his carpenters to work making boats, his farmers to work transplanting trees to the island he would be banished to. The farmers growing crops. The masons building houses. And when his kingship was over, he was banished as all the rest. But not to a barren island, but to an island of abundance. Now take the picture and put it into the passage that we're talking about. What a great parable of life. Why? Because we're all kings here for a little while. This is why the scripture says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on the earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And watch what God will do. God will multiply it even here on the earth. Why? Because as our text says, where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Let me change the word. Where our treasure is, that's where our priorities will be, and that's what we will pursue. Our view of what we have comes from our heart, 
which then is projected to our mind and very shortly becomes the driving of our will. In verse 21, it talks about our heart. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. In verse 22 and 23, it talks about the eye of man. And we talked about that, how our perspective living here in this life, how our priorities of life will govern the outcome of our life. And then verse 24 talks about how our will and we must make priority choices in our lives every single day because we can't serve two masters. Paul, the apostle, was able to do this first because he made a decision that he was going to die and put the desires of the Lord first. We find this very eloquently outlined in Galatians chapter 2 where the Bible tells us, that I have been crucified with Christ, Paul is speaking. And he said, but nevertheless I live. But look at these three words, yet not I. It's not I that is alive any longer. The life that I now live in this body, he goes on to say, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, it is no longer I that's ruling this life, but Christ who lives in me. Back to James chapter 1. The Bible talks about the fact that if we don't make this decision, we're going to be insecure in everything. Listen to it. The man should not think, what man? That double-minded man, the man that puts his security in the world and in Christ, that man should not think he should receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in everything he does. I love what C.S. Lewis said so many years ago. He said, if you'll focus on the earth, you will lose heaven and earth. But if you focus on heaven, you will get the earth thrown in. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 tells us about you and I and these priorities that I talk about. He said, since then, you have been raised in Christ. Since then, you are born again. You are a child of God. Listen to what it says. Set your heart on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on earthly things. You notice what he does here? He says you got to get your heart into right perspective before your mind will absorb the right priority of life. You've got to put Christ first in your life in every capacity. And where is he? Seated right next to the Father. In heavenly places. Set your eyes, set your heart on the things of God. And then set your minds on heaven and on earthly things. Let me begin to wrap this up. And in your notes I put for point number three a very valid statement. Matter of fact, it's an eternal statement. Heavenly treasures equal earthly hope. If we hope to have the life that God has promised us on this earth, our treasures have to be in heaven. Our lives have to be buried with him in Christ. 
When our life in Christ becomes our priority, and I I want you to listen to me, please. There is so much drawing us. There's so many pressures drawing us. There's an old song back in the 70s. There's a song called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Let, let me talk to you young folks for a second. The only way you're going to really find love is in Christ. That man's going to tell you whatever he wants to for what he wants. And sadly, there's a lot of girls that do the same thing. My two daughters, when they were looking for husbands, I told them, I don't care what the guy is. Red, yellow, black, white, brown, doesn't make a difference to me. My daughter's husband has a real dark suntan. My, my daughter married a black man. One of the greatest guys in the world. I remember when he first walked in the church years ago. The people wondered what the pastor was going to do. I don't have a dark suntan. And you know what I did? I walked up to this big burly bear of a boy. I tried to put my arms around him, but he was too stinking big. I mean, the guy's six foot five or something like that, weighs 300 pounds. He shakes your hand, you lose your wrist at the same time. Big, big fella. But he was a Christian. Jacked up Christian at the time, but he was still a Christian. And he has become one of the greatest fathers that I have ever met in my life. Three great grandbabies. All I told my daughters... Our youngest daughter just married a wonderful boy. Strange hairdo, but a wonderful boy. (laughs) I said, are they a Christian? The world is pulling and the church is giving. In the church, you can't talk about fornication anymore. Many in here don't even know, what, fornication? What is that? Is that a TV show? (laughs) Can't talk about that anymore. It's called premarital sex. Well, let me give you the short word. It's called sin. And you, you don't need that. If you look that direction, it's going to take you right to hell. If you're here and you happen to be Living together with somebody. It's not premarital relationship. It's sin. Can I talk about that in church? Good. I was going to do it anyway. I just thought I'd get your permission. (laughs) Think about it. Is that the priority that you think you have to set to get the love that you think you deserve? My God has more love than you could ever imagine. Tell that boy take a hike. Tell that girl take a hike. Say, you want some of this? You got to get some of him first. As a Christian, do we put our treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? 
The Bible says we don't have to worry about anything. I'm just going to break down our, our text for a moment. Verse 25 says, a Christian understands what brings value to life. Verse 26 says, a Christian understands that their value is in God, not in this world system, not in the relationship we have one with another. Folks, I love my wife, but she will let me down. She loves me, and I will let her down. But we love each other in Christ, knowing that he will never let us down. Amen. And that's what causes our relationship, even in the rough times, to stay solid. Because that's our priority. Verse 27 says, a Christian understands that worry is useless and actually shortens life. Verse 29 says that we understand power and wealth are an outgrowth of our trusting God. Verse 32 says that a Christian understands that worry is simply a reflection of unbelief and disbelief. Verse 33 says that a Christian understands worry keeps us from a right relationship with God. And also that worry keeps us from the strength to face life. Let me close with some more scriptures as Ari comes this morning. Can I tell you why you don't have to worry? Why you don't have to get caught up in all the junk? Number one is you have God's presence. Matthew 28 says, Obey everything that we have been commanded, for I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm talking about priorities, folks. I'm talking about trusting Christ in everything. A reason we don't have to worry because all of the world, the Bible says, will be ours. Because everything he has is ours. John 16 says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Another reason you don't have to worry about tomorrow, you don't have to worry about what you have or what you don't have, what you've been is because the Bible says that Satan himself is subject to us through Christ. Look at this in, in Luke chapter 10. We have the power, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Doesn't that make you big and bad? Yeah. To the devil it does. You see, the minute you stand up, he has to fall down. He has no choice. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. He has no choice. And you and I have the authority. And the bottom line, if you will just make Christ your priority in him, you will have peace. John 14 says it this way. Peace I leave you. My peace. Listen to what it says. I don't give you the peace the world gives. He said, I'll give you the peace that causes your heart to not be troubled and not be afraid. Amen. And finally, God says, if you will just begin to see the way that I see, you'll already know that all the riches of heaven are yours. Listen what he says in John 15. Don't, don't read it. Look at me. Because I want to tell it to you as the Father would tell it to you. I don't call you 
servants. Because a servant doesn't know what his master does. He said, I call your friends. Because everything I have, I've shown you and I've given you. Folks, there's such pull in our lives for us to do what is wrong. But there's such grace in our lives to do what is right. We don't ever have to give in, give out, or give up. All we have to do is stand up. Take up the cross daily. Crucify the flesh daily. Let heaven be our priority. And earth will be thrown in. I don't know how that makes you feel, but I think that's pretty cool stuff. Heck of a deal, don't you think? He said, I'll make you my righteousness. He said, everything my father has, I'm going to give you. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Putting our priorities and faith in God is the key to having this heavenly treasure established and verified in your life and mine. Everything he has is yours. Everything he has is mine today. And as we pursue God, the Bible says his blessings will pursue and overtake us. Let me share this line with you. I didn't put it in your notes, but you could. The priority he is to us. And I want you to think about this. The priority he is to us now becomes the priority we think we are to him. Who are we? Is your priority on earth? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? That's simply messed up priorities. Are you looking, working three different jobs? Oh, not to get yourself on a solid ground, but because you want more and more and more and more. And as we talked about three weeks ago, are we now possessed by the possession? The priority He now is in our lives will be represented in the life we live. And it'll daily show us whether our eyes are on heaven or on earth and I don't know about you but I'm going to just claim the same thing that Joshua did as for me and my house our priorities will be in God choose you this day he said but as for me and my house we're going to serve God Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. 
I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.